With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success. And practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of the Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome here live at the AFP Techno Conference. Uh, for this very special edition of the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. We've got a very big show for you today. Uh, over in the radio links today, you will be able to join us at tedhart.com. As always, as the host uh, said, you can uh, call in at 347-324-3080. You can also join us over in the chat room. We've got a lot of people over in the chat room today. Uh, and uh, as always here on the Nonprofit Coach, we start with page one news. Over on page one news today, you will find that we have uh, a link for you regarding Hootsuite. Those of you who are listeners uh, here to the Nonprofit Coach know that we are big fans of Hootsuite.com. Anyone that's been to any of my lectures knows that I recommend Ping.fm as a plug-in for Hootsuite. Well, change your plans. As of June 8th, Hootsuite will no longer support ping.fm. I know that's a big surprise uh, for a lot of people. Uh, so today here at the Techno Conference at 1.30 over in the Naples room, I will be giving you answers to how do you work around this change with uh, Hootsuite. And next week here on the Nonprofit Coach, I will share all of that live with you here on the radio show. But we give that to the folks who are here at the AFP Techno Conference first here at 1.30 at my lecture. It's a pleasure to be here in Orlando with all the wonderful people uh, here at the AFP Techno Conference. We are live here in the conference hall, as you can probably hear. Lots of noise in the background. That's the energy of the AFP Techno Conference that's here. Uh, first up here on uh, the, the uh, Nonprofit Coach uh, radio show, it is my pleasure uh, to welcome Ariana Unai here. Uh, Ariana, you're coming to us live from LinkedIn. Welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach. Thanks, Ted. Uh, you've uh, written an article, uh, or LinkedIn has posted an article, LinkedIn Teaches Nonprofits. I wanted to get a chance to talk to you about that. We do have that link, of course, posted for everyone who wants to follow along at tedhearts.com. Click on radio links. Uh, in there, you're talking about a lot of use of LinkedIn by nonprofits. Tell us a little bit about why LinkedIn is so important to nonprofits. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. So I can start by telling you a little bit of a background on exactly how we've been using LinkedIn to help um, people, members of nonprofit communities. So we have a program called Connect You for Job Seekers where we train 
um, people um, coming from underserved communities who are members of these nonprofits on how to use LinkedIn for managing their careers and for building their professional identities. And this is just one capacity. Um, this program is just one way that LinkedIn is partnering with nonprofits and um, helping use LinkedIn for good. Well, it's very interesting that you say that. Those who are regular listeners of the nonprofit coach know that we consider LinkedIn to be the third most important thing that nonprofits can do online for success, number one being a well-designed website and email service. Uh, number two being a guide star strategy, and number three is LinkedIn. So tell us a little bit more about why this is so important to the nonprofit sector. I mean, absolutely. So I think one of the more important things to highlight is the fact that LinkedIn's mission statement is to connect people with opportunity at a massive scale. So it's really um, shortening the gap between opportunity um, and individuals who are seeking that opportunity. And um, another um, part of that is that LinkedIn encourages these employee-led initiatives. So it's definitely um, the perfect place for LinkedIn to get involved in the community and for employees to really um, execute their passions and really see them become reality. What's come from uh, all of this involvement of LinkedIn executives uh, that's really quite generous of them to be providing so much time? What has that meant to LinkedIn itself? Uh, and I know that you have uh, a new LinkedIn for Good initiative. Yeah, it's been uh, honestly an incredible experience to see an idea like this become a reality so quickly. And we have full support of all of the executive members of our staff because this is a program that really embodies exactly what LinkedIn is all about. It was super easy to integrate it into a program that already exists called LinkedIn for Good. And there's other ways that LinkedIn for Good is partnering with nonprofit communities, like I said. Um, one of those is by helping them to really leverage our recruiting platform and our solutions um, in a way that's more applicable to nonprofits. Um, and it's also how corporations are using LinkedIn to find talent. Well, this is an excellent article uh, that you have posted. Now, one of the principal reasons that we uh, believe that LinkedIn is the third most important thing that you can do online and actually the most important social media site for nonprofits is because of who uses LinkedIn. Can you tell us a little bit about the demographics of the average LinkedIn user? Yeah, I mean, the demographic is pretty wide. Um, everyone on LinkedIn is above 18, a lot of college students, new college graduates, but really it ranges. Um, and one of the more important things to highlight is the fact that there are tons of recruiters using LinkedIn to find talent, too. So this is really the perfect um, environment for people to be going on there and really showcasing what they're all about and um, where their strengths lie. That's terrific. Well, uh, keep up the great work over at LinkedIn. We really appreciate all that you're doing. Uh, all my best to uh, my good buddy uh, Meg Darlinghaps over at LinkedIn, who I know is doing a fantastic job helping all the folks at LinkedIn connect to the nonprofit sector. You're always welcome here on the Nonprofit Coach. We hope you'll come back soon. Thanks, Pat. It was great speaking with you. You bet. That was uh, Ariana Unai coming to us from LinkedIn, telling us about the wonderful work of the employees of LinkedIn and how they are teaching nonprofits. And, of course, for all of my listeners today, LinkedIn is the most important social media site for your organization today. Don't forget you can uh, participate in today's show by calling in and asking live uh, a question when we get to our page two experts. Make sure that you press 1 on your keypad so that I know here on the switchboard you would like to ask a question because, of course, it's always an option for you to just call into the switchboard to listen to the show live. We have a lot of people over in the chat room today. You can also ask questions uh, in the chat room if you would like to join us there. And for the super shy, you can also just email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. Uh, next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach, you'll find uh, in our P2P fundraising newsletter, and, of course, you can always sign up to get direct access to who our best speakers are here on the Nonprofit Coach by going to p2pfundraising.org and signing up for our newsletter. You'll find one of the upcoming shows uh, here of the Nonprofit Coach uh, on June 19th is the annual Giving USA announcement of all of the giving in the United States. Now, they've been doing this for over 50 years, but they, and we are very proud of the association that we have here on the Nonprofit Coach. This is the third annual year that they have chosen uh, the Nonprofit Coach as their radio partner to release the information, and we will have Greg Carlson, the Vice President of Giving USA, with us 
on June 19th with all that information. Uh, but today uh, it's my pleasure to uh, welcome Michelle Kramer, who is here uh, live here at the Techno Conference. Michelle is a member of the Board of Directors of the Giving Institute, and her firm is Kramer & Associates. Now, make sure that you uh, check out uh, Kramer & Associates at KramerFundraising.com. She's here live to highlight for us uh, the, what's going to be coming up on June 19th. One second, we're working on the technology here. Michelle, you're now live on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, please uh, tell us a little bit about Giving USA. Hi, Ted. Thank you for inviting me today. First of all, Giving USA is the annual report on philanthropy. It's the state of charitable giving in the United States. And about three years ago, um, the board and the foundation made the conscious decision that. Just one second. We're just going to move the microphone over here. Okay. Let's. Uh, sorry about that, Michelle. I think we're going to give it another try. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, so we made the decision that we were going to do away with the printed version, and we were going to bring it online to make it an electronic version, so that we could reach more people and it could be more accessible to various nonprofits and other individuals who want to have that valuable information. Well, I'm very pleased to see that. One of uh, my the six books that I've written is The Nonprofit Guide to Going Green. So all the initiatives at Giving USA that not only bring good technology to the nonprofit sector for this important data set, but also uh, helps connect to good environmental practices is always a good thing. Absolutely. And we're really excited this year because, first of all, we have our complimentary executive summary. And I know for a lot of nonprofits it can be so overwhelming when you read the documents and you dive into all the numbers. But we're all going to be seeing the next two pie charts. The pie chart, first of all, and who's giving, the breakdown by individuals, corporations, and foundations. And then the next one is where is this money going? So nonprofits can download those two key pie charts. And then based upon their sector, whether it's education, healthcare, they can then download that, their particular sector and really dive into the numbers and then use those two key pie charts then that information and share that information with their boards and their volunteers and use it as a very powerful tool to educate their donors. So in educating their donors, of course, as you said, there is an awful lot of information that's provided in the Giving USA, and this is really considered to be the standard uh, in the United States uh, documenting what is happening in the philanthropic sector. Can we overstate the importance of Giving USA? Absolutely not. It is the most valuable information, and we really want nonprofits to use it as a tool. You know, over the past decade, philanthropy has held its own, despite the recessions, the tsunamis, the terrorism, and wars. And we need to understand how individuals are giving, how corporations are giving, look for trends, and really, again, be able to use that information to impart to, especially these boards of directors, so that when they come to these development officers and executive directors and want to go after the same continuous major lead donors in their communities, these development officers and executive directors can say, look, 73% of all giving comes from individuals. We need to be building our base. We need to be focusing on this. And they can share this information and these pie charts and really get it across in a very visual way. Now, I know that, uh, as we just announced, uh, uh, we're very pleased that on June 19th we'll have uh, the latest numbers uh, for Giving USA. But can you give us a sense of what kind of money are we talking about in the United States? Well, total giving has exceeded $280 billion over the past decade. Now, now wait a minute. Is that, is that B, a billion with a B? That's B, Ted. And for the past decade, it's surpassed. $290 billion in six of the last year. So, you know, Americans have a heart no matter what the disasters, no matter what the tragedies, and no matter what the needs of individuals, homelessness, various communities, we step up. Yes, we might have to choose fewer charities. We might have to dig a little deeper. But we as Americans have a heart, and, you know, we're very, very proud of this. Yeah, Michelle, um, I don't want to steal the thunder, obviously, and you don't, you don't have the numbers, and we're not going to give any uh, preview of what's going to happen on uh, June 19th, but I'm just curious, um, what is it to be a board member of the Giving uh, Institute, and what is the Giving Institute? First of all, as a board member, it's one of the proudest boards that I serve on. Um, I am amongst my peers, conduct our research on Giving USA, and it's the most valuable product that we can impart in the community and throughout the nonprofit organization. 
Michelle, it's a pleasure to have you here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach. I can't thank you enough uh, for stopping by here on uh, uh, on today's uh, show live here at the Techno Conference. Now, there are a lot of folks who obviously would like to get these slides. Uh, can you tell us how can folks access this information? But also, what if I want deeper information, not just the general slides? Can I get more information from Giving USA? You absolutely can. Again, I said we have the complimentary executive summary. Anyone can download. And then you can also purchase the full report for $49.95, which has the 30 charts. And it also has very in-depth explanatory information, um, as well as new this year, the graph pack. And this graph pack is something that executive directors and development officers can use again to share with their board. And it just boils down the information. But most importantly, again, depending on your sector, you know, identify those specific sector areas and download those. Understand those. Be the author. Be the authority on your sector, understanding those numbers. And again, those two pie charts that we're going to be seeing who's giving and who's Who's giving to what? That's terrific. Uh, before we move on to our page two uh, experts here, can you give us that website one more time? Yes. It will be released June 19th, drum roll. Uh, you can get and download the information on www.givingusareport.com. Terrific. That's www.givingusareports.com. We're live here on the Nonprofit Coach, coming to you live from the AFP Techno Conference. Uh, it is my pleasure to thank again Michelle Kramer, board member of the Giving Institute uh, and uh, the principal at uh, Kramer uh, uh, Fundraising. Com. Thank you for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, as always, as we wrap up uh, page one news, which you can get all the links uh, over at tedhart.com, click on radio links. It is now time for page two. <laughs> This is quite a, uh, a pleasure here, not only to be in Orlando at the AFP Techno Conference live here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, but to welcome my first page two guest. We have several guests here today, but uh, Andrea McManus is the chairperson of the AFP uh, International Board of Directors, and there have been a lot of very important chair people of AFP over the years, uh, but Andrea is the first chairperson from Canada, and I dare say... Uh, as chairperson from Canada, you have changed the heart and soul of AFP more than almost anyone else. Welcome here to the nonprofit coach, Andrea McManus. Well, thank you, Ted, and I, I hope that that I hope that that change goes beyond the occasional A and saying process instead of process. So, <laughs> it's been my great pleasure and a real honor for me to be in this position. It's terrific to uh, to have you here. Now, we're here at the AFP Techno Conference. Now, for a lot of my listeners here today, this is something they've never heard of before. Uh, what is AFP Techno Conference, and why are we here in Orlando today? Well, uh, people haven't heard of it before because this is the first time we've ever done it, and we've had it uh, in our heads to do something like this for the last couple of years as as we know, all of us, you and me, um, technology has changed the world, and it certainly changed fundraising. It changes how we communicate, how we communicate with our donors. It includes how we actually raise money. And uh, for many years, for many years that I've been in fundraising, it's been about communicating the message. Well, now it's about how we communicate the message. The media medium has become so much more important, so pervasive, and so many different ways to, to use it. So this conference, ASP Techno, is about clearing through that clutter and figuring out how to stitch it all together so that we can raise more money and make better relationships with our donors. Well, and I think this is extremely important for all nonprofits to uh, be able to have this opportunity to immerse themselves in what's happening in technology. And one of the uh, the other things, and it's uh, the lifeblood of the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show and has uh, certainly kept me lecturing for the last 10 years uh, since I founded the E-Philanthropy Foundation, is that this is also ever-changing. Uh, as I just shared today in the Page One News, uh, big changes over at Hootsuite, uh, and one of the big uh, recommendations that we've always had here on the nonprofit coaches, the use of ping.fm in uh, collaboration with Hootsuite. Uh, that now is ending, will no longer be available. 
Uh, so we'll be providing here at the Techno Conference uh, a workaround for that. Uh, so everybody who's live here at the, uh, the Techno Conference will hear that first. Uh, and then next week here on the Nonprofit Coach, we'll share it with the rest of my audience. Now here, um, your opening speaker today was Laura Howe. Um, what did we learn from Laura Howe today? What, what do you think the significance of the opening speaker was? Well, I thought I thought she was fabulous. Um, you know, you're ahead of your time, Ted. You've been speaking on this for ten years. Uh, I'm I'm coming up the the back channel, really. I, you know, I'm I'm fairly good on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and a few things, but some of the other stuff I just don't know how to figure it. Stitch it all, as I said, stitch it all together. And I think Laura Howe really showed us how not only how they're using all of the various social media applications to raise money, but also to build relationships. And also, one thing I was fascinated with was how they use uh, Twitter, because they have a huge um, uh, social media presence with only three people um, doing it. And they're using things like Twitter to connect with people who are on the ground in disaster situations. So she showed us um, a Twitter feed where a young girl had sent them a tweet saying there was a tornado coming, she didn't know what to do, she was afraid. They were able to respond immediately to that and have created now that relationship. And they've, they're also using volunteers to leverage that activity and to be able to reach out and communicate with people. What a wonderful story and what a great way to uh, start the Techno Conference to uh, have someone as accomplished as Laura Howe as the uh, opening speaker. Uh, now, a few uh, statistics here for listeners of the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. We now have 1,730 people following us on Twitter, and that's at Ted Hart. Uh, we also have 1,785 people over in our hosted LinkedIn uh, group. That's the PGP fundraising group. Now, if you go to tedhart.com and click on radio links, you'll be able to go directly to uh, this uh, very important link uh, for uh, on LinkedIn, which will allow you to connect immediately with 1,785 of your colleagues around the world engaged in online fundraising. Now, uh, you brought up, uh, Andrea, Twitter and how important that is. And what I always share with people is Twitter is the most important thing on the Internet today if you want to learn what's happening right now. And what's happening right now for a lot of nonprofits uh, is extremely important to get that word out. So that's where uh, LinkedIn really, uh, Twitter really fits in uh, for, for folks. Now, you're not uh, just sitting on your laurels here by having Laura Howe as your opening speaker. How excited are you to have the opportunity? opportunity to meet Steve Wozniak. Um, can I say that I've already put it on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else that I'm going to interview him? No, I'm really excited. I mean, he's, God, uh, you know, where would we be without what, what he and Steve Jobs did? And uh, I, I heard, I haven't met him yet, but I've heard he's, you know, a pretty good guy. I was looking through his book out at the bookstore. Spent some time on Google just getting all the background information about him the other day, and uh, I think he's just going to be – he's like a cult hero. <laughs> so. Well, he certainly is a cult hero in uh, in the technology uh, sector and uh, someone who uh, cares quite a bit about philanthropy uh, in the nonprofit sector. So it's really quite a coup uh, that you have him here and sort of puts the, the techno conference on the map. But uh, I think for a lot of folks, and maybe you can help us uh, figure this out, is a lot of folks don't necessarily uh, see AFP and technology in the same sector. Uh, sentence. Uh, this sounds like it's changing. This sounds like this is a strategic shift for AFP. As chair, where does this come from? Well, I think it comes from the realization that uh, our members need to understand technology. And fundraising is not always, nothing stays the same. And fundraising is not exempt from the impact that technology uh, has and will continue to have on how we work. I mean, you made a comment earlier about Twitter being the um, the most important thing. I resisted tweeting for a long time. I said a couple of years ago, I said, there's no way I'm going to tweet. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I'm now an avid tweeter, and I will tell you that in six months that I've really, six, eight, last six to eight months that I've really picked it up, I would say I get 99% of my information about fundraising and about the non-profit sector via Twitter. Absolutely. And that's that's a, I've changed my tune, most definitely. 
Well, I'm so glad that you said that because that is uh, one of the reasons why I promote the use of Hootsuite uh, so much um, because that is really how uh, you're able to now organize uh, your Twitter uh, accounts and pull in those things that matter most. And, and I have to say, in preparation for the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show, uh, one of the first things that I do is I monitor what's happening, what's being said, what those important topics are in the fundraising uh, sector. Uh, so for those of you who are listening here today uh, and are just getting involved with Twitter or are avid on Twitter, you can follow us at, at Ted Hart. Uh, you can follow AFP at AFPIHQ. Uh, and you can follow this conference at hashtag AFP Techno. Uh, so, Andrea McManus, thank you so much for joining us here uh, on the Nonprofit Coach. It means so much to have the leadership of AFP care so much about technology. Thank you for joining us here. Now, before I let you go, I want to make sure that all my listeners here know how they can connect with Andrea McManus. So, please share how can we connect with Andrea. Well, uh, my Twitter handle is at PDG Andrea. Dot Development Group, TDG Andrea, and you can, of course, email me. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Uh, I'm a, I, I am a member of Pinterest, although I haven't quite gotten on, onto that one yet, but I'm getting there, so any of those ways. Well, that's great, and, and as we've shared here on the Nonprofit Coach, you don't have to get too nervous about Pinterest. There's not... Uh, a, a big need for nonprofits to be on Pinterest yet, but stay tuned. We continue to monitor everything that's new. Uh, we believe in the basics and getting the basics uh, down. Uh, and we do believe that right now uh, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn are fast becoming core competencies in the nonprofit sector. Andrea McManus, thank you for joining us here live on the Nonprofit Coach. We are here live at the AFP Techno Conference. Uh, now we're uh, moving on to our next uh, page two guest. Uh, and uh, it is really quite a pleasure uh, to uh, welcome here on the Nonprofit Coach Cheryl Black. Cheryl Black is Senior Marketing Specialist at BlackBot. Uh, BlackBot, of course, has uh, the distinction of having hosted the Nonprofit Coach radio show uh, live uh, at uh, their BBCon conference. Uh, we're in discussions about uh, a return visit uh, to, uh, to BBCon, so stay tuned here. Now, uh, Cheryl, a little bit of background about you, please, if you could uh, uh, share with my guest today uh, what does it mean to be a senior marketing specialist at BlackBot? Sure. So um, I come from the nonprofit sector. Prior to joining the BlackBot team, I was the Girl Scout Council, um, then with the Red Cross chapter, even had the opportunity to go be with the Australian Cancer Council uh, for a semester internship. And then recently, about a year and a half ago, I joined Convio, and as you know, that makes me the proudest new member of the BlackBot team. So based in Austin and running our corporate social media presence, been doing that for Convio for the past year and a half, and now working closely with corporate marketing at BlackBot to take it over for the BlackBot team. Well, that's great. Well, welcome uh, to uh, BlackBot. We uh, we just had uh, Vinay Baguette uh, from uh, Convio on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show just a couple of days before he departed uh, Convio. So this is an exciting time in uh, the history of both uh, Convio and BlackBot. But you know what, Cheryl, I want to get right down to it today because I've, you've got to tell me what does it mean when you say let's get nerdy. Uh, so our session was really about the, the intersection of personal and professional social media. You know, by definition, social media is social, and it's about building peer-to-peer -peer relationships. So for a lot of companies, that can be a challenge, uh, companies, nonprofits, any kind of organization, because organization to person is not peer-to-peer. -peer. That's not apples to apples. So you have to help your audience understand who the people are behind your organization so they can build peer relationships with them. We've all heard the adage that people give to people. People also volunteer for people and also advocate on behalf of other people. Social media gives you that opportunity to build those relationships and really give your organization a face and a personality. Yeah, this is such an important message that you are bringing here today. I've been speaking about this uh, for the last uh, couple of years um, as it relates to social media because I think a lot of folks immediately want to think in terms of my organization, the organization being sort of the center of the known universe, uh, when it really does come down to people. And what I, what I try to help organizations understand is that your executives need to be on the Internet, what I refer to 
as a 360-degree person, that you can't just be that press release. You can't just be that perfect uh, photo because, you know what, uh, Cheryl, I think you may agree with me, there's no way to fake being social. No, you can't fake it, and it's all about authenticity. Um, for example, if you work for a charity that is feeding the hungry, that's a, a fantastic cause to be working for, you feed the hungry and you work very hard at that. But you also walk your dog after work and take your kids to the beach and do very normal activities that all of your donors, volunteers, and other constituents can really relate to. And so, as you said, being that 360-degree person, you give them the opportunity not only to bond with you over this cause that you both feel passionate about, but to also bond with you over your very normal, everyday barbecues, Fourth of July celebrations, basketball games, those things that just make you part of the community and a a human, quite frankly. That is all about that human factor. What I share with folks is, uh, here on this show and in my lectures, is I use what I call the 80-20 rule. If you go to my Facebook page, you're going to see about 80% of the content is straight up professional stuff. Who's going to be on my show, what I'm doing, where I'm lecturing, things of that sort. But 20% of it is personal. It's things that I'm doing. Uh, and this is where it kind of starts weirding people out because uh, people start asking the questions, well, you know, what about privacy? What, what about uh, uh, things that I don't want to share with people. And my advice, and I, I'm curious to see what you think about this, is my advice is, first of all, of course there are privacy settings that you can set for Facebook and things of that sort. But my advice is also to understand that if you want something to be truly private, don't put it online. Uh, a lot of folks will talk about, well, I have a personal Facebook page and a professional Facebook page, and I, I just ask the question, how long do you think it's going to be before someone finds the personal Facebook page? Don't put it online if it's truly, truly private. So I preach what I call the grandma rule, and that's if you don't want your grandmother to see it, it has no business on the Internet. Um, and I've offered up my grandmother if you need a conservative option to play by. Um, I have an 86-year-old grandmother. If you would be uncomfortable with her seeing something, it probably doesn't belong on the Internet. And I, I think that kind of mindset is a good thing to keep in mind because it doesn't limit you entirely. If you're passionate about a cause, even a controversial one, frankly, but that's who you are and you embody that and you own it, you'd be comfortable talking to your grandmother about it, and it should, you should be comfortable having it as your public persona. Perhaps wild birthday parties are maybe not the kind of thing that you want to have photos of up on Facebook or on Twitter. And so those are really where you need to bring your filter in. The other thing that I try to discuss with organizations, my own and others, is that you're going to have some employees who are very enthusiastic in social media about promoting your organization, and they're great, and they should be given the tools to do that properly and effectively. On the flip side, though, you're going to have employees who really just want to keep it separate. And for a lot of employees, that can be totally fine, completely accepted. There are certainly going to be positions where that can't be the case. The social media person for a company can't have that distinction. But somebody in finance or maybe some less uh, public roles can, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't pressure, in my opinion, people to go outside of their comfort zone in that way. Um, we should just really embrace whatever function they want to have in terms of professional and social media and give them the tools to do it well and be effective. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have multiple people within your organization uh, who are outbound social media experts for your organization. It's okay to just have one, but that one needs to be authentic. Um, and that's what's really important here. So I was wondering if you could share some guidelines for employees representing your organization. How many would you suggest? How do you choose who that person might be? And what happens when they leave? So those are all really good questions, all very good questions. And I'm not sure that we'll have time to address all of them. Um, but for some guidelines for employee engagement in social media, that was actually about a third of my presentation that I gave yesterday. Um, thank you, ASB, for having me. Um, and among those is the grandma rules. I very I preach that very strongly. Also, the general wisdom that you shouldn't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Nobody likes a jerk. Um, and those are some good, good ground rules to start with. Also, setting up privacy filters uh, for any employee. Take advantage of it. It's not going to be perfect. You shouldn't assume that it's a 100% sure bet. It's a very good attempt. Uh, and then thinking about the things that are in your organization's communication policies in general, and those just apply to social media. The same way you would think about some things to a reporter and other things you would not, 
the same thing should be guiding your social media. If it's confidential because it's a privacy concern for your constituents or because it's, it's just distasteful to talk about, you would never go to the reporter and discuss your frustrations with your manager. You also shouldn't do those things on social media. So a lot of it is common sense and expanding the communications policies you already have, making sure that people understand that includes social media as well. Um, so another part of your question as far as how many people you have out there for your organization, that's really going to vary. Uh, like I said, there's going to be people in your organization who are just enthusiastic about your mission and want to go out there and support it, and they may not have any kind of public-facing function, but you should still empower them the same way you would empower your volunteers to go out and be your ambassadors. I mean, who better than, than the staff who spend 40 hours a week, 50, 60 hours a week toiling away for your mission? So talking to them about best practices, being active, you know, using their internal filter when they need to to promote your organization. Uh, and as far as formal spokespeople, a handful is probably a good place to start. Um, certainly a marketing person and an executive director, the way you would have as media spokespeople. But I think it's only going to expand the number, and it's just making sure that everyone who is sort of that official spokesperson is conscious of where they can best be the spokesperson and takes advantage of their strengths and lets others take advantage of their strengths. And if somebody leaves an organization, turnover, I mean, that's an issue, and it can be up front. I encourage organizations not only to have your people out there, but you have branded organizational things that are less likely to change less frequently, or more likely to change less frequently. Yes. Um, but turnover is part of it, and you, you just have to embrace it as it comes. There's different, definitely areas you can be careful as far as not only tying yourself to an executive director or, or an awesome program person. Make sure it's a little bit broader than that. We do have a uh, question uh, for you, Cheryl, over in the uh, search room, Bob, uh, or in the chat room, rather. Uh, Bob USMC is asking, what's the best way for a brand new 501c3 to raise money? That goes a little bit outside of my usual social media expertise. Uh, but I think, in general, the best way to raise money is to ask for money. Uh, it makes sense that the more you ask, the more you will make. So. Just go out there and make sure they connect your programs and you're sharing with them why your cause is so important. Because once you build those emotional connections, that's when you're really going to bring in the fun. Uh, feel free to uh, ask a follow-up question. I'm going to ask a follow-up question on your behalf. Um, what are some of the platforms or some of the methods uh, that people might utilize if they're just getting started? How, where do you go first? Is it Facebook? Is it, you know, where, where do you go first? So this is another one of those questions where the answer is going to be different for every organization. Unfortunately, there's not just one answer I can give. But I will say Facebook is a really great place from a social media perspective to begin. It has a huge following and a lot of people engaging. And so therefore, it's a good, a good starting point. Um, but of course, before you get into any social media, you need to make sure that you have a strong website because that's where you're going to be driving people back to eventually. So building your website out, making sure it's clear, it has clear paths for conversion so you can become a donor easily, become a volunteer easily, easily learn how to engage with an organization's services. Once you have that website up, you can really select the social media properties that make the most sense for your organization. Terrific. And I'll just uh, draw attention, uh, Bob, over to uh, my uh, uh, six pillars of success for nonprofit organizations. Uh, as uh, Cheryl just mentioned, the number one uh, is a well-designed website. Uh, and uh, if you're a small nonprofit just getting started and you don't have any place else to uh, build a website, check out Wix.com, W-I-X.com. It's a great way to build a free website. Also, Sites.Google.com is a great place to build uh, a free website. For online giving for small nonprofits, it's, and in your question you did say that you have your 501c3 status, uh, my recommendation is JustGive.org. They've already created an online giving page for you as a 501c3, and they will process uh, those online gifts for you. Uh, beyond that, the next uh, important step is a GuideStar strategy, um, and we do talk a lot about that here on the show. Uh, so I encourage you to listen to some of the podcasts of prior shows, and we have had guests from GuideStar on the show, so check out those, uh, those podcasts. And then right back to page one today, uh, number uh, three in the top pillars of success, 
for nonprofit organizations is a LinkedIn strategy. Uh, beyond that, we then go on to Twitter, uh, Facebook, and then all the various services uh, that come to us from Google.com uh, that are available to you as a nonprofit organization. So hopefully, Bob, that rounds out uh, what you can do online. Uh, but I think Cheryl would agree with me that the last thing you should be doing if you're a 501c3 is to think that you're going to raise quick money online. You need to put the emphasis on relationship building first. Absolutely. And social media is just another avenue to build those relationships. It certainly does not replace face-to-face relationships and augments them. You mentioned LinkedIn. One thing that I love to see executive directors do, uh, and, and really any fundraising staff, especially at the very least your executive director, is use LinkedIn as a virtual Rolodex. If you go and you meet a major donor, connect with them on LinkedIn immediately. If you're at a Chamber of Commerce meeting and you meet new prospects, connect with them on LinkedIn immediately. It's not only one more place to build that connection, but it's a great way to stay informed on how their career is changing. Uh, an example that I've given is as a low man on the totem pole development staff a couple years ago, I was connected with one of our board members on LinkedIn, and that's how I found out when she left her current job and started her own company. Knowing that made me much more aware of how she could be helping our fundraising events. Um, that was my area of expertise. And knowing what our relationship with her should develop. Now, fortunately, my executive director had a close enough relationship with her where she just knew this, this piece of information from conversations. Again, as a development staff person, that really helped me loop on how my donors were changing. Yeah, that's, a, that's a really a great way uh, for you to uh, uh, be able to build um, your uh, support uh, using LinkedIn. Uh, so uh, what I want to do is we're going to move on. Uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach, I want to thank uh, Cheryl Black for being my guest here. Uh, Cheryl, just before we let you go here, I want to make sure that all my guests know how they can connect with Cheryl Black. Sure. I blog on ConnectionCafe.com, um, mostly about social media marketing. Also, I'm on Twitter at CLBlack425. Uh, those are the best places. Um, and then, of course, LinkedIn, since we've been singing the praises of that site so highly. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Cheryl, it's great to have you here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, before we get to our last page two expert today, uh, we mentioned uh, that uh, – uh, Google is one of the uh, important services for nonprofit organizations. So we're going to take a little time out and give you some information on Google for nonprofits. Every day, millions of people are online, many of whom want to help, volunteer, and donate to a good cause. Nonprofit organizations can use many Google tools to reach potential donors around the world and raise more money. And as an approved nonprofit, it doesn't cost a thing. It's all free. Google Grants helps you promote your website with free advertising on Google.com through the AdWords program. With Google AdWords, you create ads and choose words or phrases related to your nonprofit organization. When people search on Google using one of your phrases, your ad will appear next to the Google search results under the Sponsored Links section. AdWords allows you to target certain geographic areas, dates, and times of day for your ads to appear. YouTube for Nonprofits is another tool that can boost donations to your organization. The program offers a number of perks that get your message out there and drive viewers to take action and donate. You can list your organization on YouTube's nonprofit channel and add call to action overlays on your videos to drive viewers to donate. Need help analyzing your website traffic and marketing effectiveness? Google Analytics is a free tool that will give you rich insight and help you increase the number of people that visit and donate to your site. Google Analytics can be invaluable to many people in your organization, such as development directors, marketing staff, and your web team. There are many other tools that can help you reach more donors and raise funds, like Google Checkout, where you can process credit card donations with no transaction fee, Google Sites to create a free website, and Website Optimizer, where you can figure out the best landing pages to turn site visitors into donors. To get started, apply for Google for Nonprofits today. It's an important service and is one of the six pillars of success for nonprofit organizations. It is now my pleasure to welcome here live here at the AFP Techno Conference, Robin Fisk. Uh, Robin is with ASI, and that is a service uh, that promotes uh, the platform IMIS. Uh, welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach, Robin Fisk. Thanks for having me. 
thanks for having me very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Nice to be with all these fundraisers and thank you in one place. Now, Robin, you're uh, you're here uh, as uh, people may have picked up with your accent that uh, uh, you're not uh, an American. Uh, you're not uh, you're you're from uh, the UK. And uh, today, you uh, here at the uh, Techno Conference, uh, you were talking about the blurring of the web uh, with uh, CRM and social media. Now, that's a big uh, topic to cover in one hour's time uh, for anybody. Can you share some of the uh, tips that you were able to share here at the AFP Techno Conference? Sure, yeah, we're, we're looking, we decided to take a step back and look at the history of technology with, with nonprofits over the years. And if you go back maybe 20 years, the, the database was the first thing maybe that most charities got in place. And, you know, we called that CRM later on, but it was the good old fundraising database or, or member database perhaps in, in associations. And then, uh, then websites came along and uh, latterly social media came along. And we've, we've seen that... Uh, there are different budgets, different activities, different people involved in managing those things. But that's purely because they came along at different times. And what we're seeing now is that after the early days of the gold rush, if you like, where lots of different uh, providers are doing different things, it's really time for convergence and really time for bringing those things together. So that's the, the premise, really, of where we're starting with this presentation. And looking at, at how those lines, how that convergence is happening, the kind of tools that are available to make that work, um, be they kind of social plugins from Facebook, or uh, be it connecting your website through to your CRM successfully, and, and looking at strategies, looking at tools for doing that. Let's talk uh, specifically about that sort of integration and the, the, the uh, success that charities can have in keeping data more relevant and up-to-date by using social media uh, plugins. For those who, uh, what I just said sounds like complete techno garble, uh, what does all of that mean? Okay, so when it comes to social media, um, charities have been adept for a long while at, at broadcasting on social media. Um, but listening and getting people to be able to comment on social media about the charity has been a, a, you know, another thing altogether. So giving charities the tools from their websites to be able to let people comment by perhaps the Facebook comment service or share pages with their friends or even using the, the, the deeper integration tools that Facebook offers now. Um, Facebook came out with something called the Open Graph last year, which allows really deep integration with your website and Facebook in, in one place. So there's some great tools out there now for helping you know, constituents when they're visiting your website to share what your website says and to engage with their, their friends about what they do for your charity. Now, with all of these uh, wonderful tools that are available for nonprofit organizations, uh, where does someone get started? Uh, if I have a database, where do I go next? What if I don't have a database? Um, our listeners are small charities to very large charities, and they're all over the world. So uh, help us get a sense of the spectrum. What would I do if I were a very small organization just getting started out? And what if I've been at this for a little while? What's the next generation? That's a good question. And um, perhaps the time is passing when we need to consider these things as separate items and consider them all in the round as one. So, for example, um, Whereas in the past you might have thought about getting a new website, you now need to think about how that will integrate with your CRM before you go and get the right website for you. So I would say look at what your needs are. Say if you're a small organization, you're not going to need the, what we call the Rolls-Royce solution of, uh, of, of database uh, tools out there. Um, but you know, think about it all together so that you don't give yourself a headache down the line when it comes to uh, having you know, two separate databases, one behind your website and one in your office. You're going to need the same common database. And there are tools out there, really, you know, as, a, as ASI, we're working on such tools to bring this together. So um, it's as well to look at it from the ground up uh, when, you, when you do these things. Um, when it comes to implementing social tools on your website, then if your website is built in a, a popular content management system, there are probably tools already in there for you to embed Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest widgets or gadgets within your pages. Um, I'm, I'm no longer a technical person. I gave that up a number of years ago, but we, uh, 
you know, I can put those things on a site with, with relative ease. It takes a, a bit of determination, and you have to learn a new vocabulary, but it's possible, and I'd encourage people to give it a try. Well, uh, let's, uh, uh, Robin, let's not be shy. Uh, go right ahead and tell us uh, what is IMIS doing, what is ASI offering, um, and uh, make sure that my uh, listeners know uh, how they can connect with Robin Fisk. Well, thank you, yeah. So IMIS, um, IMIS is a, a platform that incorporates the CRM, the websites, and the tools to, to go social. So um, rather than being perhaps a, a point solution for just the fundraising department or any, any other departments, it's a, a solution that can be deployed across the whole organization. And its users can be anyone from the staff members, people who manage chapters or branches, through to the constituents themselves. So it's one database, one record by contact per constituent, and they can log in and see their appropriate information. As a staff member, you can log in and do all the things you need to do as staff, like create a mailing campaign or, or uh, you know, post some checks into the system, whatever it might be. And uh, yeah, so with IMIS, we have the, the website, website tools to build your sites. It can integrate with existing sites as well, so you don't have to kind of throw out your website if you if you get IMIS. And the way we're seeing it going with our, what our customers are asking us for is they, they want more and more integration with, with social. So we're putting in stuff that allows you to monitor your reputation online, allows you to uh, be able to track people's social influence. That's quite a, a powerful thing so that if you are going out with a campaign and you need to uh, start with the most influential people, you can find that out from your CRM system now. And that's all integrated into services that tell you these things. So that's what we're up to at, uh, at ASI, and it's keeping us busy. Well, we're going to take uh, just a, a real quick break here on uh, the uh, Not Profit Coach radio show. When we come back here, we'll be live with Robin Fisk, and I'm going to ask Robin Fisk uh, the big question uh, about all of this, and that is, what does it cost? And we'll be right back here uh, live here on the Not Profit Coach. Just a programming note uh, for all of my listeners, make sure that you join us next week uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show where we will have Rob Mitchell from Atlas of Giving talking about online giving. We're going to be backing, uh, having back-to-back -back important data sets shared with you here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. June 12th is the Atlas of Giving, and June 19th, as you heard, big announcement, the very first look at the Giving USA numbers uh, for 2011. It's going to be right here live on the Nonprofit Coach. I want to thank the folks at the Giving Institute for once again choosing the Nonprofit Coach radio show to release. This is our third year in partnership, and those are always terrific shows. Live here on the Nonprofit Coach will be Greg Carlson, Vice Chair of the Giving Institute Board of Directors. We're going to then uh, have here on the show uh, one of the most popular um, guests that we have on the Nonprofit Coach, Penelope Burke will be here with the latest Cygnus donor research information. She'll be live here on June 26th. She'll be wrapping up our uh, first section of the Nonprofit Coach uh, for 2012. We will then be in summer hiatus. Uh, we do not do the Nonprofit Coach radio show in July and August because I'm hoping and pretty sure that you've got far more important things to do in July and August than to listen to this show. So that's a great time to get caught up uh, on your podcast, of which we now have close to 90 podcasts of the Nonprofit Coach, all free of charge at tedhearts.com. Uh, and we're going to head right back over to the Nonprofit Coach radio show live with Robin Fisk. You've been listening to... Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And we're coming back live. We do have a question for you, Robin. Uh, caller coming in from area code 949. What is your question? 
on the nonprofit code. Right there, our code. Huh? What did they talk about us? Someone from Bob. Perhaps uh, our, our guest uh, stepped away from the phone. If you'd like to ask a question, raise your hand again here on uh, the switchboard. We'll make sure that we get you in before uh, the end of the show. We're back here with uh, Robin Fisk. Uh, he is uh, here with us from ISI. He's now going to tell us what all of this costs. Well, my, my first reaction to that was that's a $6 million question, but actually uh, that would be wrong. So... What does it cost? It depends where you want to start. If you're a very small nonprofit, you can put this sort of thing together quite cheaply. There are there are you know, free content management systems to do this with. Um, of course, nothing's really free because you have to maintain it, look after it yourself, and uh, you know that takes a bit of time and effort. At, uh, at ASI, we we work with a sort of medium-sized and and up organisations, and the investment is you know it's a five-figure plus investment. Uh, to get up and running with IMS on all those levels, the website, the CRM, and the social. But it will uh, it will depend on what you need and how many people you see using the database and the, the whole system over the, over time. Um, what I would say is that because you're only maintaining one system then rather than, you know, multiple systems, and you've only got one database, you're saving a ton of time stitching stuff together, and, uh, you know, you're not having to, to run around with, data which may be in two or three different places and all the issues back turned. So overall, you know, you're probably going to save time and money, but there is the upfront investment to consider. And I think for all nonprofit organizations, they need to weigh the kind of efficiency uh, that they'll be able to bring to their organization by bringing all their tools together in one place. Uh, that may be for an organization that's been at it for a little while and it's okay to get started uh, with uh, some of the free tools that are available to you. Uh, on the web. We cover a lot of those here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, but I think, uh, Robin, you would agree that the most important thing is to get started. Uh, to, do not continue to uh, to delay uh, the, the engagement of your donors online and using social media uh, because that ship has sailed. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of uh, charities that are learning and are starting to get it right, and the competition is only going to get greater. Absolutely, Ted. Yeah, and there was a, there was a time, I guess, when when websites arrived and charities were standing by thinking, well, will this last? And then there was social media and charities were standing by saying, will this last? And clearly it has. Not everything sticks around, but, you know, it is time really to get engaged. And, you know, as you say, just get going. Um, there's probably not much that you can do wrong early on. Uh, you can always repair things as you go, but just start peddling and then get in the right direction after that. Well, I think that's an important point that you make, that you can't really get it wrong if you put the emphasis on relationship building, uh, just as you would offline. Um, what do you think some of the, the biggest mistakes that charities make when they're getting started? Well, that's a good question. Um, I would say a lot of organizations uh, would, would see that, you know, trying to use technology is going to solve a lot of issues in their organization that are up perhaps management issues. Uh, so, you know, when you implement a solution that is meant to work right across different departments in the organization, then those departments have to be ready to share data amongst themselves. So if, uh, you know, you're in the fundraising team and you have a policy team or an events team, the, the benefit of one shared database across the whole organization is that you, you have one picture of the truth for every contact. And to be to be possessive about that or protective about that data just creates a silo mentality. So you've got to be prepared, I think, when you adopt technology to make it, to let it help you change your culture in your organization if you have those issues. Well, Robin, I think one of the most important things that, uh, that you brought up here right here at the end of the show is if you want to use social media, you need to be prepared to be social. Uh, so, uh, Robin, wrap up the show here. Make sure that uh, all of my listeners know how they can uh, connect with Robin Fisk. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter, as you might expect. I'm on uh, ASI underscore Robin Fisk. And our website, our company website, is www.advsol. That's short for Advanced Solutions, advsol.com. Robin Fisk, thank you so much for being here at the AFP Techno Conference. A uh, big thank you to everyone at AFP for inviting the nonprofit coach to be live here at this important uh, first-of-its-kind conference uh, for AFP, uh, its members, and those that it supports. I want to thank everybody for joining us here on the nonprofit coach. Don't forget 
We will be live here next week, June 12th, with Rob Mitchell from the Atlas of Giving uh, 2011. Uh, and that wraps up our show. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye from the AFP Techno Conference in Orlando. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.